Welcome in to the DNVR Rockies podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Lyons, and joining me today, my best man, Dude. Kevin Henry from Fanside, back together for the first time in two months, for the first time since Chicago, for the first time since I had COVID. <sighs> Kevin Henry, what's on, buddy? What's up? Good to see you, brother. Good to see you. Yeah, and uh, thank you for not having COVID today. I really appreciate that. Yes, Tiff always thanks me almost on a daily yeah. basis, Super Producer Tiff. Thank you for not having COVID or obeying the the COVID, the COVID protocols, as I like to do. So I have all of my beverages today. You might call me Pat Bev. I mean, it's not just a basketball player. It's also me here on the pod. So I got to be watching live there you go. on YouTube, on the DNVR Sports channel. We've got so many different things to cover as far as the end of year awards, rookie of the year. We've got two unanimous winners. I had a vote. I want to talk about my ballot. Yeah. You can grill me. There, there's not much to grill, to be honest with you. I mean, as far as us here in Colorado, I think you hit it spot on. But, okay, uh, I'm, we'll see. But we'll, we'll talk. We'll see about that. We'll talk about some players that could be added to the 40-man roster today. Big deadline day ahead of the Rule 5 draft. We'll, we'll get into a couple players that are definite locks, and then a lot of fringy guys. We'll kind of wait yeah. and see what happens. Rockies have some room uh, to add players. Manager of the Year award is going on today. Find out that uh, later in the evening, and we'll, we'll make our, our predictions. Maybe I can get you to spoil who you voted for in the MVP voting. We we spoil. I, I won't spoil, but okay. I'll I'll give you some teasers. How about that? Ooh. yeah. So we will talk in MVP for sure. Can you say that it, whether or not you voted for a player in the NL East? I can confirm that. <laughs> All right. <laughs> there you go. All right. There you go. All right. We broke something here. Someone from the NL East will be getting a vote somewhere within the top 10. Yes. Unless you have some secret like vote ballot where you go from 11 to 20, even though it doesn't count. You know, I, as I sit here and think, I'm pretty sure there were four in my top 10. Oh, wow. We're NL really getting East. specific. Let's okay. Let's really nail down here. How about mm, that? Yes. Very now, interesting. There you go. Uh, but on unfortunate news uh, to start the show off yeah. right before uh, we went live here Tuesday afternoon, Peter Seidler, owner of the San Diego Padres, uh, passed away, uh, unfortunately, uh, at the uh, age of uh, 63. I know he was dealing with a lot of different uh, health issues with cancer and yeah. whatnot. And uh, I, I know you've you've kind of have your 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 eyes and ears on the San Diego area a lot I as do. well. Yeah, and, and this is a big loss. I mean, uh, you know, there's there is Padres Twitter, as Rockies are well aware, and and obviously this is a little bit of a shock, but also something that we knew he went in for a procedure. We knew that he has not been well, uh, has been battling uh, health issues, and but absolutely, this is something that you were kind of wondering why the Padres were taking their time with the manager, and you kind of wonder now if this is the reason. And so will this put a pause on anything else that they'll give time to grieve, give time to pay their respects? And they are opening up Petco Park today for people to come in and actually grieve and pay their respects. So this is a it's a big loss for San Diego. Yeah, free parking in the tailgate lot in San Diego. Go through the home plate gate if you, if you happen to be there. So I think that's a nice way of, of honoring him and allowing fans to kind of, you know, say goodbye to an owner that was – everything that you want out of an owner yep. say what you will about the finances and how does something look or um you know uh, again just just the financial aspect of sports sports are, are are here for the fans to go and and have a distraction and the biggest distraction you can have is, is to say that your team was the best and to to invest in that and yep. to invest in a team and go beyond maybe what you really should be doing it's it's really all for the fans and giving back to uh, the community and 
Peter Seidler loved San Diego and, and that's why, you know, he did what he did. And so he kind of kind of goes out on top, you know, as an owner, doing it the way that you really wish a lot more owners would would do things. Oh, absolutely. And you do wonder if he he spent very uh, freely knowing that maybe his time was short, knowing that maybe he had one chance to really see them win a ring. And obviously, we all know how the Padres season went. We all know how they fell apart last year. Uh, but still, it's absolutely something that, like you said, this is what you want your sports owners to be. And, and certainly, A.J. Preller, the Padres have come under a lot of criticism for what happened last year. But he did everything to put the team into place, but you can't buy chemistry. No, no, you can't. So, uh, well, obviously, it's going to be a, a lot that happens now after this, you know, who who takes over the reins and, and whatnot, and that could throw the Padres uh, offseason, uh, you know, out of whack just a little bit. But uh, thoughts and prayers out to uh, Peter Seidler, his family, Padres community, too, again, for uh, for losing their owner. We did uh, have two Rookie of the Year award winners last night, yeah. both unanimous, uh, only the fifth time in the history of the Jackie Robinson Rookie of the Year award you had unanimous winners. I think that's probably one of the reasons why it feels like it wasn't a huge deal. Maybe, maybe in Denver because, you know, the Broncos were playing last night. The Avs also had a game. Uh, we had Gunnar Henderson for Baltimore winning it unanimously. Uh, first place vote on all 30 ballots. Basically how it breaks down is there's 15 teams in each league. Each city gets two votes. So that's that's where the number 30 comes in. 13th unanimous winner in AL history among that group. One former Rocky, Sandy Alomar Jr. in 1990. Nice. And then one guy who almost became a Rocky, Jose Abreu, in 2014. Tanner Bybee was second place. Triton Casas was third. Eighth time an Oriole has won the award. First time since Greg Olson in uh, 1989. Yeah, it's something that you know we've, we've talked, you and I have, and I know you've talked on the podcast as well, how bright the future is in Baltimore. Oh, wow. And isn't it weird that we talk so much about Adley? We talk so much about other pieces of the Orioles. And I, it almost feels like sometimes Gunner gets overlooked a little bit. And yet what he did for the team last year, and again, knowing that they've got that solid uh, player in the lineup, um, yeah, good things for coming in Baltimore. You sure. get Adley Rutschman was your first overall pick in 2019. Yep. And in the second round, you get Gunner Henderson. So you've got two franchise players in the same draft for the Orioles. And could they go back to back? Could holiday, you know I mean? That's, oh, that's the whole thing. Yes. Seriously. You got to think about next year. Could Jackson holiday be that guy that, that this time of year, AL uh, BBWA voters are thinking about. Very true. Yep. No, it's, you look at what the Orioles have been able to do in, in building up that franchise. And so much it had to do with tanking, not being bad for one year and just, Hey, we got a couple of really good picks or the first overall pick in 2019. No, it was doing it multiple years yeah. so that you also get Jackson Holiday again, you know, another another first overall pick. So it'll be interesting for the Rockies this year who have a chance to get the first overall pick with the new draft lottery with 18.3%. They'll have the third overall pick in each round after that. They also have a competitive balance round pick A. Uh, that's where they were able to, you know, load up on in last uh, 2021 draft where they got Jordan, excuse me, 2022 draft with Jordan Beck. Um, so like... You have these front end picks. It can really change, you know, the the future of your your franchise because you get more bites at the apple, you get more money to spend, and you just get access to better players. And think back to not this past season, but the season before. You know, the the Orioles had that strong start, and everybody's going, "Are they going to cash in at the trade deadline? Are they going to make some big moves?" And they actually didn't. They went the other way. Right. And a lot of people criticized Baltimore at that point. But when you look at what happened this season, you look at where their drafts have been recently, it's, it's hard to criticize really anything the Orioles are doing right now. 
No, Michael Elias has done a, done a wonderful job. That's what happens when you take guys from successful organizations, put them in front office positions of oh, yeah, power. You say, hey, it worked over there. Let's kind of use uh, that same thing. Hey, yep. It's a crazy idea. I don't know. I don't, I don't think it'll work anywhere else. All right. Uh, eighth Oriole, as I said, to ever win the award. In the American League, only the Yankees have more Rookie of the Year award winners with nine. Now in the National League, Reds have eight. Atlanta has nine. Dodgers have won 18 Rookie of the Year awards. And now for the first time, they're the last team. They're the last team that had never won a Rookie of the Year award. Arizona Diamondbacks get it done. Unanimous. Corbin Carroll, absolutely fantastic. Everyone watching this show, Rockies fans, folks who watch the NLS know how good Corbin Carroll was this year. 14th player in the NL to win it unanimously. Uh, and, and the first to do it, in again, with that, we had ALNL unanimous winner since 2017, Cody Bellinger and Aaron Judge. And the Corbin Carroll vote felt like the most anticlimactic thing that right? they could possibly have. I mean, it feels like we were talking about that at the All-Star break. So, you know, and, and yeah. you and I were talking before the show, what could he have possibly done to have lost that vote? I'm not I'm not sure that there really is anything that he could have done to to fall behind uh, Nolan Jones, shall we say, or could I sing or any of the others that were out there, including that Altman guy from LA. That Altman guy. Yeah. You know, Carol had that injury scare with the shoulder and it was, it was even speculated, Hey, his season's done. And then after that, he, he was, he was quieted just a little bit. The Diamondbacks were quieted yeah. just in general, right? Cause they, they just weren't really good, uh, going into that second half, but his numbers were still really solid. Um, power got sapped, I think a little bit, still more, bases in the second half than the first 28 to 26 so he was just fantastic you have two 22 year old winners both those guys i think are 23 now but in their age 22 season did some quick research i was like oh is that like the youngest oh, rookie of the year awards so immediately again thought process goes to all right well bryce harper won it at age 19 well, Mike Trout won it at age 20 that same year. So that's almost like virtually impossible to beat. So I, I think that's the answer right there. I don't know for sure, but I feel confident. Well, and you and I were both on the uh, BBWA call right. afterwards. And to hear uh, Corbin Carroll and Gunnar Henderson both talk very glowingly about each other. Yeah. About how they kind of grew up together. And, you know, I didn't realize that not only were they so close, but Bobby Witt Jr., you know, is in yeah. that mix as well. So you think about all these young uh uh, position players that are kind of coming up together and the bond that they have. And I know there was a picture shared on social media of Gunner and Corbin uh, switching their jerseys, there yeah. Arizona, which was really cool. Yeah. That's, that is a, a nice aspect about this balanced schedule this year being the first one in 2023 is that now you can have like top prospects who are like, Hey, you might win it. Like, I don't know how many different jerseys yeah. Corbin Carroll did this with. He's like, I got the NL locked up. I'm good. Um, I don't know about you, Tanner Bybee. Like, let's, we'll do a swap. We'll take a photograph. It might never, not ever see the light of day. But now you're going to kind of have those kind of moments for these young guys to, you know, make new friends, to acknowledge each other. So uh, I think that was uh, that was a really cool thing Absolutely. to see for him. You know, the whole baseball's a brotherhood thing, and it really showed through last night when those two guys on, on the separate calls were talking so great about each other. Previous closest a Diamondback had ever gotten to winning the award, Wade Miley, coincidentally, in 2012 when Bryce Harper won that. Uh, Kodai Senga, second place, no surprise there, and kind of no surprise, but we'll talk about it. Third place, James Outman for the Los Angeles Dodgers. But I do have to say that uh, if, if you want to get a fantastic way to jazz up a man cave or a living room. Saturday Neon is the way to go. It's a company that was created by two former college roommates up at CU. So we're talking a local company that makes LED neon signs 
for a ton of Division One football teams. They look amazing. They also have CSU. It's fantastic. Officially licensed. Great for offices, man caves, dorm rooms, basement, bar areas. It's really cool. Go head over to SaturdayNeon.com. Use code DNVR for 10% off your order today. And the cool thing is free shipping. That's a big item right there. They're going to ship it to you absolutely for free for all orders over $200. And for all orders in Shady Rays, you're going to get be able to buy one and get one free when you use promo code DNVR. They've got a lost and broken replacement policy. So if you lose or break them, don't worry. They'll hook you up even if it's on your first day. Holidays are coming up. So if you want to buy a gift for yourself, get one for free and give that out. Or you want to give two pairs of glasses to friends, you can do that, but pay for the price of only one. When you use that code DNVR, you can go down to the Park Meadows Mall. You buy two or more pairs of polarized shades. You get them for 50% off. Shady Rays, a quarter of a million people couldn't possibly be wrong, giving them five stars Shady Rays. Looking good in the sun, like James Outman is looking good. In LA, 26-year-old outfielder. Look, I wrote about it uh, over on the dnvr.com. You can kind of see what my thought process was. And what's interesting is I kind of had the same thought process, I think, of a lot of people. But then I continued to think through the final three weeks of the season because it very much felt like, you know, halfway through the year, Corbin Carroll, head and shoulders above the rest. Hey, maybe James Altman can maybe make some noise. He didn't, but he's going to be in there as the number two. Kodai Senga, fantastic Japanese pitcher, 30 years old. Uh, coming over uh, to pitch for the Mets was was fantastic. He was just really consistent all year long. Seems like those were the guys. There were some other exciting players that had come up that you, you're saying, hey, maybe this guy could be a dark horse. But throughout the entire season, it really seemed like these three guys, Carol, Senga, and Outman, were the three best players. Seemed like it. Seemed like it. Yeah, and, and I remember going back to spring training and Dave Roberts talking about Outman and how he could take over an outfield position. So, I mean, kudos to him for actually grabbing the opportunity and running with it. Yeah. But at the same time, like you said, if you look at certain stretches, Nolan Jones is is the guy that blows away the numbers. And I know you're going to say Homer, you're going to say Coors, all that stuff. But at the same time, uh, there's a lot to be said for why Nolan should have gotten a few more uh, ballots. Yeah, he uh, Jones was on 13 of the 30 National League Rookie of the Year award ballots, whereas Outman was only on 10. If you actually look and break it down and say, well, how many people had Outman higher than Jones? Nine. How many people had Jones higher than Outman? 12. Yeah. So I think the system that's in place is such that because you can only have spots for three players, the final spot, you know, in some years, that, that third place vote can be huge. That can be pivotal. Uh, and in some ways, you can say that was the case here because Outman uh, had uh, 20 points, you know, in third place. Nolan Jones only had 17. That's a difference of three. Yeah. You look and you say Patrick Bailey got a vote, a guy who had a 644 uh, OPS, uh, the lowest of any player that received a vote in either league in Rookie of the Years since 1997. Davy Cruz, who I don't, he also got MVP votes that year. That's a strange one. Go yeah, back and there's... look at that guy. <laughs> Uh, Yuri Perez, uh, who again was was exciting, uh, was did not get ahead of Kodai Senga uh, in someone's ballot, but was exciting. Only only pitched nineteen games. Okay, that's fine. Um, and then someone else got a uh, a there, random kind of third. Uh, Ellie yeah, De La Cruz. Yeah, there's De La Cruz. There, there's the the whole ballot that yeah we we shall not name here. But yeah, there were there were a couple that were stretches, and you wonder what ifs on that. Right. And, and you know. With the MVP balloting, you know, whenever I turn in my MVP ballot, I have 10 names on there. And Rookie of the Year only has three. 
You know, yeah. it is it is worth thinking. Could that be expanded to a five? And what would that do? Uh, what would that have done this year? I, I do think Jones might have gotten a little bit more love had there been a few more uh, opportunities to write his name in there. Besides the fact that you go five deep now, some of those those three names: De La Cruz, Bailey, and Perez. Now maybe they they slide back to fourth, yeah. and Jones gets third, and and now you've got somewhat of a tie. But if you're going five deep, now you need to do a little bit more homework because if you know, I, I knew going into this, the result was going to be Carol Senga Outman. I didn't necessarily care about being right, right? It was just, this go. is a subjective process. I want to say, well, well, who do I think my ballot would actually be? And didn't necessarily care about being right. So that would have maybe changed some things. You got to go five deep. You look and go, hey, wait a minute. This I haven't, who's this Nolan Jones guy, right? Like if you're, let's say, a, a journalist in Philadelphia, you got done with the Phillies really quickly, and you didn't even get a chance to see Jones sure. by the by the time uh, he ended up making his you know Rockies debut late in May, right? Because he got called up early in April twelfth, got sent back down April sixteenth, didn't even get a chance to play. You also wonder what if had he stuck around there? His numbers were really solid in AAA at that point. Had he got a chance to play, his overall counting stats would have been a little bit better. Um, all all of the rate stats were absolutely. Fantastic. He had the highest OPS of any player, of any rookie in either league uh, that had 150 plate appearances. I think Davis Schneider, who had like 141 plate appearances for the Toronto Blue Jays, you know, had a slightly better OPS. Even if you adjust for uh, park factors and OPS plus, you still had Nolan Jones head and shoulders above the rest. He wasn't better than Corbin Carroll, but he was head and shoulders above the next best hitter in the National League. So when the voting came out last night, I, I already I had a feeling I knew how your vote was going to line out, and, okay. and no arguments there at all with with how you voted. You know, Jones second, absolutely. But I looked, and there was another guy who voted Jones second as well. It wasn't just you, and so I was like, okay. And I looked, gentleman out of Pittsburgh, yeah, put Nolan Jones second. So I was like, that's kind of a kudo right there. You know, right. people could say, oh, he's in Denver. Of course, he's going to vote for Nolan Jones. No, here's a guy who's on the other side of the country who did the research, mm -hmm. who really looked, and, and good for him for finding the Nolan Jones nugget. Yeah, no, for sure. Again, you you look at the numbers at the end of the season. You'll you'll see in my article where I tell you what my ballot was. It was Corbin Carroll, number one, number two, Nolan Jones, and number three, Kodai Senga. And really, Jones and Senga, I couldn't ultimately decide. And the tiebreaker was the fact that Kodai Senga, 200 strikeouts as a rookie in the modern era, that had only happened 18 times. Mm. Nolan Jones, 20 homers, 20 stolen bases, only happened 16 times for a rookie. There was the tiebreaker. Tiebreaker. Ultimately, like those those two guys were were right there. It was really hard to kind of choose between them. But you'll see in my article that kind of somewhat fortuitously uh, on a on a Wednesday on a on a on a day game. Right? What am I going to do that night? Uh, go out to dinner with my wife? No, I'm looking <laughs> at rookie statistics on September 13th. And I actually had Spencer Steer was going to get my third pick. Mm. It was going to be Carol, Senga, and Spencer Steer, a guy whose numbers were better than James Outman. Yes. They were better than James Outman. Now, Outman played a, a much more uh, defensive, uh, demanding position, right? A more, much more important position in center field and was, was really solid defensively, too, slightly above average. Whereas Steer was playing first base, a position that he hadn't played that much at. First base isn't. You know, not that huge of a position where you should be able to figure it out quickly. But still, first base, third base, and outfield. Even had like 
I want to say 15 or so games at second base allowed his manager to put in Matt McClain. Right. Allowed Ellie De La Cruz, Jonathan India when he came back off the IL in September. Also, Noel V. Marte, a guy who's going to be one of the favorites and front runners in the 2024 Rookie of the Year. Now, this is more of a MVP, a value type situation, but this is what Spencer Steer was able to do as a rookie that I thought, again, look at the numbers. They were actually, you know, a little bit better than James Outman. But what you just said about him being able to move around the diamond, that's the argument that I hear so much whenever I was filling out my NL MVP ballot about why Mookie Betts should be at the top. Because Mookie played everywhere. Mookie allowed the Dodgers to do different things. And so while it does do with the numbers, I think that that V is important, valuable. And there are times, like you said, if you can move steer around, get other guys in, if you can move Betts around, then that creates a value. And and can we talk about Bryce Harper for just half a second here? Do it. You know, him being willing to say, you know what? I'll play first base. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Sign me up for that. I mean, that that immediately takes care of any Phillies questions. So I think that whenever you talk about guys who are willing to move around, learn a new position, do what they need to do, that there's a lot of value in the valuable there for sure. Yeah, and Jones was was one of those players, yeah. you know, kind of out of position, you know, no longer a third baseman truly. His first three games, four of his first five were at first base when he finally got called up uh, after C.J. Crone went down with uh, with his back issues. But then goes to the outfield and you immediately realize, like, wow, this guy's got a cannon for an arm. And, you know, some of the defensive metrics, um, most of them give a give an edge to, to James Outman defensively. Uh, if you want to say, well, Outman was really good defensively, Jones, uh, I did see, I think, Fielding Bible, you know, did have defensive run saves, did have Nolan Jones ahead of James Outman defensively, especially when you take in consideration the 19 outfield assists led all of Major League Baseball. And here's a stat for you, and, and tip of the cap to Rockies Communication for getting that out. It's a strange one. It's almost a made-up stat, but it puts in better context how good Nolan Jones was defensively and the value that he provided the Rockies and the value that he provided himself as a rookie assists per game. So we don't think of things like that because there's not a ton of outfield assists. That's an NBA. Come on. Exactly. Yeah. You yeah. think about games, you can think about, um, you think about innings played in the outfield. And so the amount of assists he had 0.22 per game, the highest in baseball history, literally wow. 19, 19 outfield assists, and only, was it 83 or is it 86 games that he was in the outfield? Yeah. Insane. You know, we hadn't even seen a number as high as 0.2 assists per game since Roberto Clemente in 1961. This is the kind of talent that we're talking about. 20 homers, 20 RBI, and 19 outfield assists since Willie Mays had done it in 1955, a 2020-19 number. Only... F- Four other guys had done it before Nolan Jones. So again, you think of the rarity and, and the well-roundedness of a guy like Nolan Jones. Yes, he missed about a third of the season, but I think he more than made up for it. And that was why he, he was higher on my uh, Rookie sure. of the Year award ballot. And going back to what you said a minute ago, and how many times do we hear it in the clubhouse, learning to play the position? How many mm-hmm. times did Bud talk about his ascension into that? You know, and, and I think that's something that gets overlooked whenever you look at the end of season Nolan Jones is the beginning of season Nolan Jones and where he was, you know, that series that I was at in Seattle where he sat there, he never got into the game. No. You know, that that's a huge what if, I think, for the whole Rocky season right there is what if. But, you know, it wasn't his time. And, and Bud Black has said that time and time again. It wasn't his time right then. But what he evolved into from the time that he actually cracked the lineup into what we saw in September it was mind-blowing. 
It was. Yeah. In fact, after September 13th, again, to, to overplug this article here, <laughs> the greatest article apparently I've ever written, ever. Uh, according to me, I guess the way I'm bringing this up. No, but if you actually look, and again, kind of fortuitous on September 13th, after that point, Nolan Jones, according to Fangraph's version of Wins Above Replacement, was the best player in all of baseball. Let me say that again. From September 14th to the end of the season, no one was better all around than Nolan Jones. That's not why he was second on my ballot, but that is part of his story and his season of why he was as good as he was. And I, I just think um, there may have been some voters that you know maybe weren't necessarily paying attention to that, and those things happen. Also, it, people disagree. It does. And <laughs> And going back to, you know, you and I were texting last night, and one of the things, whenever I saw this, maybe I shouldn't have been surprised, no Tovar. No yeah. Ezekiel Tovar note on here. And and how much going into the season were we all going, oh, he's got a shot at it. What if? You know, especially right. whenever he gets the starting shortstop job. I was surprised there wasn't a bit of love for Tovar along the way, too. He was, you know, one of the early odds-on kind of yeah. favorites, if you will. And yet, you know what? He lived up to the hype. That's how good this rookie class yeah, was this year. Good point. That's how special it was, was that he goes out and what, had 37 doubles, great defense, finalist for the Gold Glove Award. Guys, finalist for the Gold Glove Award, didn't get a single vote. Again, I think that's another reason why, you know, maybe it, it goes five players deep. And then you see someone giving him a fifth place vote. I know the guy who voted for Patrick Bailey said, hey, he was the best defender in all of baseball. Great catcher framing. You know, maybe Brenton Doyle even gets like a fifth place vote and he gets something like that. This is actually the first year that a member of the Colorado Rockies had gotten any attention in the Rookie of the Year award voting since 2017 when Marquez finished fifth, Freeland finished seventh. And hey, Antonio Cincinnati was really good that year. But again, on the outside looking in, last time you had a Rockies player as high as fourth in the Rookie of the Year award voting, Trevor Story in 2016. So still Jason Jennings, the one and only Colorado Rockies Rookie of the Year award winner. And it's interesting to me, you look back at Trevor, you remember that there was that thumb injury that cost him quite a bit of that season. yes. And still finished that high. That's true. Yeah. What if? A big, big what if. For sure. Look, if you're going to Las Vegas or if you need a good sports book, there's no what ifs when it comes to Circa Sportsbook and Circa Resorts and Casino. It's Vegas's first ever adults only casino resort. Saves time checking IDs. The world's largest sports book. It's three story stadium style, 78 million pixel screen. It takes 10 people to operate this thing. It's amazing. They've got all of this wet space 15,000 square feet of wet space, six pools, two spas. It's amazing. They got great food that, uh, all throughout the uh, Circa Resorts and Casino in Las Vegas. And if you're going out to Broncos, Raiders, whether it's a Pac-12 or Mountain West event, uh, you're an alumni, go ahead and use code DNVR to get 20% off that. Circa Sports, Colorado. You download the app at circasports.com. Circa Sports bets can only be made while physically located in the state of Colorado. Must be 21 or older. All rights reserved. Circa Sports Colorado encourages you to gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call or text 1-800-GAMBLER or visit problemgamblingcolorado.org. And this weekend, make sure you head down to the DNVR bar because on Saturday and Sunday, they're actually giving away tickets to the Broncos Raiders event in Las Vegas to end the year. Start the new year off in a really great way. Probably going to want to get out of the cold a little bit. Although it does get cold in the desert. I, I've i only been to Vegas once. It was in December for the 2018 winter meetings. And it wasn't warm. It was on the cooler side, but it was still it was still kind of better what was going on in Colorado. Oh, pack a jacket. I mean, pack a jacket, you're going to be fine in the desert. You won't need the parka, though. Thank yeah. goodness. 
No, you'll you'll be no, safe. Be it, it certainly won't hurt to bring a to bring a jack to Vegas for Ron, uh, Broncos and uh, Raiders. And if you actually do happen to get hurt when you're at work, make sure you're calling Backus and Shanker two 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 because look, they'll work on your case absolutely for free. They'll consult with you for free. Give them a call. You can go to coloradolaw.net. Find out if you have a case. It can't hurt. All your the only thing you're doing is investing a little bit of your time to say, hey, do I have something here where I was injured in a ride chair, motorcycle accident, car accident, pedestrian, whatever it is, call 222-2222. All Troy Tulowitzkis and find out if you have a case because Bacchus and Shanker wins. They've done it to the tune of a lot. What is the number up to now? They've got, they almost, they should just keep it scrolling like McDonald's. How many burgers have they served? <laughs> $1 billion is what they've actually won over the last 25 years with their 100 folks on staff, 30 lawyers, Bacchus and Shanker. Give them a call. Find out if you have a case absolutely for free. They're, uh, man, yeah, that, this ballot was, uh, was really deep. Yeah. You ended up having uh, Jones coming uh, in fourth, two second place votes. Fifth place was Matt McLean, who had a similar case as uh, as Nolan Jones. Really good rate stats, playing a demanding position, but again, Jones's numbers were uh, slightly higher. Steer ended up being sixth, and then you had the three guys tied for seventh: Perez, De La Cruz, Patrick Bailey. Big British lad, thank you, man. You've been jumping in the chat a lot lately. We appreciate you. Glad you're enjoying the Rockies talk. We sh we should probably get to some actual Rockies. News and notes before we we make our picks for manager of the year or, or predictions. We also have some managerial news. Yes, in the news, um, uh, that's how usually how that works. But today's the day. Forty man rosters. They don't get finalized necessarily, but we got the Rule Five draft coming up. I want to say December sixth is the day. It's a Wednesday at the winter meetings down in Nashville. We're both going to be there covering that bad boy. Last year, the Rockies had a pick. They traded it to the Tampa Bay Rays. That guy ended up having a really good year. Uh, Rockies usually don't exercise their uh, their Rule 5 pick. We'll preview that more as time goes on. But guys that can be selected in the Rule 5 draft are basically the players who aren't protected on the 40-man roster. If you're 18 years old or younger and you've been in a system for five years or more, you're available if you're not on the 40-man roster. If you're 19 years old when you sign your professional contract or older, you only have four years before you need to be put on the 40-man um, or else a team can poach you in the Rule 5. There's two names that jump out. They're the Rockies, basically their top two prospects. Num the number one guy, he's 21st on the MLB pipeline, Adel Amador. He is a lock today, and so is Yankee Fernandez, who continues to make strides. A run producer doing it with home runs, driving in guys. Old school guy where you might look at the end of the year and say, oh, only 25 homers. But he's got 100 RBI each and every year, old school like that. Yankee Fernandez, Adiel Amador, absolute locks to be on the 40-man roster later on at about 4 o'clock this yep. afternoon. Yeah, it's going to be real interesting. And and I think we, if they add those two guys, then they'll have three or two spots left. After yeah, they're that. at 36 right now, right. so they got two. They could go all the way up to 40. They could also clear up some room as well. They could. They could. There could be some other moves coming today. But I'm curious if they're going to use another spot in there. You know, will they just go into the winter meetings with one spot open? You know, could they add somebody else? You know, I know one guy who was really tearing up in the Arizona Fall League was Mia, the pitcher. He looked good. He, he really looked good. And so yes. I wonder if he got a lot of attention because of how he did in the AFL and if the Rockies may 
make an unexpected move to put him on just because he's drawing some attention right now. That feels like a great call because Blair Calvo was that guy last year that unfortunately, you know, he did end up leaving the organization, but still you looked at what he was able to do. I mean, Justin Lawrence played in the AFL the year before he was added to the 40 man roster. So uh, it's it's a finishing school, the Arizona Fall League. And Mejia was really solid. He actually was on the Fall Stars team. So, um, you know, I think probably before the AFL, he might have been like this dark horse. I might have even had on the outside looking in. But the buzz around him from the past month in Arizona oh, yeah. was strong enough that I, I, I think you could possibly see something like that. Uh, Steven in the chat saying it's going to be interesting to see if the Rockies make any trades today. Mm-hmm. Uh, look, this time last year, they acquired a guy by the name of Nolan Jones. I remember that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I remember that guy. Yeah. That guy. Um, but yeah, they they made that deal. And Steven saying, you know, could we see uh, Dion Jorge? That's the pronunciation. Dion Jorge. It, I still am not used to it. That's an amazing pronunciation. <laughs> Ryan Ritter get moved. Rockies could definitely free up some infield spots. Well, both those guys don't need to be put on the 40-man roster just yet. So you'd be trading them a little prematurely. Now... If you're talking about, you know, middle infield type players and you say, well, the Rockies have a lot of depth right now. Excuse me. They've got uh, Ryan McMahon. They've got Brendan Rodgers. They've got to free up some room. They've got a lot of outfielders. Yes, I think you could see something like that. Steven, maybe you're even thinking like, well, if there's another Nolan Jones type player in another organization that, you know, a team wants to remove off the roster, maybe you do trade a a Dion Jorge or a Ryan Ritter who uh, definitely is climbing through the system very quickly. I think he finished up uh, at double A after starting his season in Spokane. So there could be those kind of moves. Rockies have a lot of depth when it comes to their, their hitting prospects. So Bill Schmidt's going to have to be creative. We've been saying it kind of this entire off season. That could be the kind of creativity, Steven, uh, that we may end up seeing in an article from last week about the, uh, about the off season. Some of the other names that I think could possibly uh, get added today on the catcher side. Cause right now you only have, Elias Diaz and right. Brian Servin. Right. Um, you know, you do have Willie McIver, first baseman Grant Levine. This is his second year. He wasn't protected last year, uh, but did have a much better season uh, with the Yard Goats. Second base slash third baseman is mostly a third baseman, Aaron Schunk. Vladimir Restituyo, young guy that was down there in uh, Hartford, definitely made some great strides. Jeff Criswell, Tanner Gordon, Chris McMahon, Victor Juarez. I think uh, a couple other guys, Alec Barger, who was uh, one of the players yeah. acquired at the trade deadline, right. as well as Connor Van Skoyak. So, a lot of decisions to be made today. It's gonna to be interesting. It really will be. And and you, the some of those names you just rattled off. You know, the McMahon's, the Shunks, the uh, the Levines. You know, yeah. These are guys that we all thought a couple of years ago. These are pieces of the puzzle. And now we're trying to figure out: do we protect them or not? You know, if you're Bill Schmidt. And so I think that it's really interesting. You know, prospects is always such a crapshoot. But uh, it will be very interesting to see which direction they go with some of these guys. Too. Speaking of crap. No, I, I don't have, that's a bad segue. I don't, <laughs> what am I, what's the that? next thing I say after this now? I really <laughs> painted myself into a crap corner. No, all right. So yesterday was the 26th anniversary of Larry Walker winning NL MVP. So we'll kind of tip our cap to that. Today is the ninth anniversary. The Hartford City Council approved what would later become Duncan Park for oh, the Yard Goats. Absolutely. It's a nice little anniversary. Very nice. To, uh, to think about. Um, Managers, Manager of the Year Award. Let's get to some manager news. Pat Murphy, new manager for the Milwaukee Brewers. Yep. On uh, on Monday, came out on Sunday, but Monday morning they made it official in Houston. Uh, Joe Espada announced uh, as the Astros coach to uh, to succeed Dusty Baker. He's been their bench coach, been with Houston the last seven years. Kind of seems like the natural fit there. 
Uh, and uh, as we said at the top of the show, Padres still waiting. Pat Murphy, Joe Spada. Okay. I think a spot is the the smart move for the Astros. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a good obviously one. with everything going on with Craig Council, and we're going to talk about that with Manager of the Year <laughs> in a minute, which is going to be awkward. Uh, but absolutely, a spot coming in there. I think that's going to be a real nice continuation for Houston. And and Pat Murphy, I mean, you know, they're kind of forced into that situation. I think that they're almost looking internally. But the Brewers are such a interesting thing about what's going to happen with them. You know, it's, are they really going to tear down as the rumors say they might? You know, you go from winning the NL Central uh, to all of a sudden your manager being poached by your arch rivals, you're tearing down. That's a, that's a fall from grace right there. Yeah, that's painful. And yeah. and Corbin Burns, we know, is going to be on the market. Yeah. Brandon Woodruff has one year left, but he's going through some injury stuff right now. So that's kind of a lost clause, uh, cause. Willie Adamas, also a free agent after this year. So, yeah, they may need to, to break that down a little bit. And, and Pat Murphy, a guy who was there in San Diego and they were breaking it down, uh, might have to go through that again. In the chat, we're going to get to some, some pitchers that could be a fit this offseason for the Colorado Rockies in just a second. Uh, but did you see what did you see what number... This is interesting. This look, we are not in officially in the slow part of the off season yet. So say what you will. I find this to be interesting, and and, and Tiff, maybe you could kind of chime in on this. Am I am I forcing this piece of news? Is this better when it really gets slow late in December, early in January, or does this fit? New Mets manager Carlos Mendoza has announced he's going to wear the number. 28. We're talking about manager numbers here on the show? Yes, here's why. A little salty. I like it. He says it's his promise that the Mets will win another World Series before the Yankees will win their next ring, the 28th. Tiff, am I forcing this wow. news topic or is this kind of interesting? No, I don't think you're forcing <laughs> okay. it, but I I guess managers wear numbers? The, and there you go. We broke some news today. We did. Managers wear numbers. Oh, oh wow. I've and this is why we need to be talking more on these shows. Kevin, get out of here. Okay, this is interesting. Come on, and Kevin. So who was I talking about this recently to? Managers wear uniforms. Yeah, I noticed they're, I've noticed that. Which is different. Which is right? a little strange. Right? In hockey, you know, they're wearing suit, they're looking good. Yeah. Football. They're wearing you know, hoodies and sweats. Thanks and, to Bill Belichick. Yeah, yeah. maybe there's sleeves on those yeah. uh, those hoodies. Maybe not. Um, basketball, they're dressed, you know, pretty nicely. Yeah. But in baseball. There's basically a rule, and it, it says, you know, if you if you want to go out to the mound, you have to wear the uniform. There was a, a an all time great manager, most wins and most losses all time in the history of baseball. Uh, his name is Connie Mack. Real name Cornelius McGillicuddy. How about how great is that? He wore a suit and tie all the time throughout his like fifty year managerial career, so he never could make a pitching change because he didn't wear a uniform. So he kind of would just chill in the dugout. But managers, yes, they they actually have numbers. I That's love crazy. that. That's crazy. Do the coaches, managers, coaches have yep. yep. Coaches yep. have numbers too. They're not as you know, like they're not always great numbers. But anyway, with the Yankees too. I mean, the their coaches are like in the eighties and stuff because they're just running out. The yeah. Yankees might even have to come up with a new system. They might have to go to triple digits. I think they might like uh, duplicate numbers if you're like you're a coach or what something about some like that. Decimals. Yeah. De decimals. decimals. Emojis. Emojis. All right. See now you're interested in what's going on with managers <laughs> and their outfits. Yeah, I like it. This the, is very. Uh, the more off you know. The, I love it. Do not do do not search out any more baseball content. This off season is going to be all about. <laughs> did you know? 
And then uh, we'll just see where it takes us. I was going to say, you you can do that very well with me. And then usually I can do something very similar with hockey for you. But it's true. You're like, why do managers and coaches wear numbers? Great question. I don't. Right? You're going to have to you're gonna have to make sure you're on top of all your trivia. It's as a great point. As you always are. It's a great point. I do love that. I, I do love that. What I what I also love is is Breck Brew, Broncos Country, still going. The beer of the month, sourced with all Colorado ingredients from the North Fork Valley. Those high wire hops, amazing, made with 100% renewable energy. Get it right here. In fact, get it in a lot of places. Find it when you go to breckbrew.com. Use the beer locator. Did you know it's found in every minor league affiliate of the Rockies except Hartford? No. Shame. Can you believe that? No. Spokane, boom, you can get it. Albuquerque, yes. Fresno, okay. But not Eastern Hartford. Just shameful. Shameful. <laughs> you Look, you are not going to be shameful if you can get some great memorabilia, some merchandise from FOCO, especially when you use that code DNVR for 10% off all non-presale items. Every couple of weeks, I go back on the site and kind of make up a new wish list for myself, find an excuse. Hey, it's my birthday. That's in the middle of the summer. Holidays are coming up. I do that. I'll uh, I'll see if oh, I'm going to get something for Kev. Your birthday is, is at a different time of the year, so maybe I'll get myself a little something too. I find an excuse to go to FOCO and use that 10% discount when I use code DNVR. Right now, they've got uh, all kinds of great toys and collectibles. What were some of the new things that I did find? Besides the overalls, which is a big one, besides the overalls, they have a lot of really great stuff. They've got hats. That was it. Friendship bracelets. You Thank go. you for the mind. They got the 90 vintage retro shirts. The friendship <laughs> bracelets were actually kind of a big one uh, that I thought was cool. They do have uh, Broncos overalls now in addition to the to the CU overalls. There's a really cool uh, Muhammad Ali thrill in Manila bobblehead that's limited edition. So they've got a lot of cool stuff. And with the holidays coming up, definitely make sure you get in on the action. When it comes to FOCO, and code DNVR for 10% off all non-presale items. So who is going to be manager of the year? In the American League, Bruce Bochy, Brandon Hyde, and Kevin Cash. It's got to be Brandon Hyde, right? That, that, that would be my pick. I mean, I would think that as well. I mean, knowing when this was voted for. I Great would, I would ask, point. Yes. I mean, that's just it. It's voted on before the postseason Before. Begins. So... So I think that that short circuits any of the Bochi talk, and I mean, I would if I had a ballot, I would absolutely throw it toward Hyde. Yeah, Bochi banter, the Bochi banter. Yeah, and Dusty Baker, man. I mean, not not even in the top three. No, no, not even. Man, you know? yep. Um, Kevin Cash, he always seems to be there, and then Bochi, yeah, what he was able to do, getting them into the postseason. But I think it's going to be Hyde's for going through a few hundred lost seasons and, and going to the mountaintop, winning the AL East. It's got to be him. And then the NL, you got Brian Snitker from Atlanta, Skip Schumacher from Miami, and then Craig Council. Probably Craig Council, right? I'm thinking it's going to get really awkward tonight. It's going to be a lot of fun. I noticed on, on Twitter, the Brewers account said, like, thank you, Craig Council. They have a graphic. I'm like, oh, they're just kind of, like, warming things up because, like, we're going to have to thank him again when he wins the award. <sighs> so let's kind of get used to this thing real quick. Yeah, if you're Brewers social media, do you put out, hey, manager of the year, you know, we kind of want it. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see. Is it weird that I'm thinking Skip Schumacher's got more of a chance than than most people do at this? Maybe. I mean, I mean what he did in Miami, knowing the the whole uh, Sandy Alcantara thing with the injury and everything else, and how he kept that team together. I don't know. It's I, true. I, I I 
Snicker, absolutely, the Braves were loaded this year. You know, and I'm thinking if Snicker gets in there, why doesn't Dave Roberts get in there? I mean, it, to be honest with you, who had the better roster going into the year? Absolutely. Who had the and who had the bigger question marks? Absolutely, Dodgers. Right. And, and who had a lot more injuries and things to deal with during the year, too. And I know you know yep. a lot of folks listening may not be Dave Roberts fans, but I'm really wondering why he didn't get that third, that third place in there instead of Snicker. Yep, yep, does not make sense to me. Uh, but we'll find out about that. We'll see what kind of graphics the Cubs make, too. Are they going to post <laughs> Craig Council in a Cubs hat? Congratulations in, in small print for the Brewers. All right, let's get to some starting pitcher fits for the Colorado Rockies. Two guys are coming back in the rotation that you can count on, Kyle Freeland and Austin Gomber. After that, tons of question marks. Seems like they're going to have to sign at least two guys. Who are two more names? Let's go with Nick Martinez. Free agent, opts out of his deal. You know, was pitching over um, in uh, in Asia a couple of years ago. Kind of had to take a step back after uh, a failed career as a reliever. Has reinvented himself just a little bit. As a starting pitcher, he's 33, so he's no spring chicken, but he doesn't have the same mileage on his arm since he's been a reliever. Career 4-3-1 ERA, but since 2022, since coming back over to the U.S., pitching for the Padres, 3-4-5 ERA. But maybe the more important thing for the Rockies, and this is where it'll be interesting to catch up with Bill Schmidt at the winter meetings, you know, what is he looking for? A guy with upside, a guy like Nick Martinez, or reliability of innings only 19 game starts for Martinez. Only had two quality starts this past year. He did. But look at one thing that jumps out at me about Nick Martinez, the exit velocity. Ooh. Now, he had a, a, a career low 83.8 miles per hour on his exit velocity this year. It's cut it down from 86.3. So he found a way to kind of either miss bats or have the bats miss the ball. And so I'm very intrigued by that. He's actually a guy, again, with the Padres. I watched him quite a bit last year. Mm -hmm. He was a big part of that Padres team. And you're hearing them talk about Blake Snell not being there, Seth Lugo leaving, all the Padres defections that they're having. But I'm telling you, Nick Martinez is going to be a guy that they miss in San Diego. Yeah, the the hard part with this, and that's why we're going to preview a lot of guys, because eventually we'll hit on one that the Rockies end up signing, (laughs) is that there's basically 29 other teams in the Rockies' way for these guys' services. And the Rockies will have to overpay a little bit, and it's hard to know with these like mid- to, to lower-tier starting pitchers how much that overpay is. It'll probably be like an extra year and then an extra 2 or $3 million to pay. And you go, eh, that's kind of rich, but it's, we're not talking about breaking the bank like in the Denny Nagel, Mike Hampton situation in, in 2000. Um, but yeah, the two quality starts, only had three starts of six innings or more last year four starts of five innings or more. And we saw what not getting length from starting pitchers meant to the Rockies and their bullpen, who I really thought going into the year was going to be a strength. And I think they were. They just got really beat up. You don't want that to happen again. So you need a bit of reliability. I don't know if Nick Martinez uh, checks off that box for reliability. I agree with you. And also you look, there's a 7.41 ERA career at Coors, 17 innings. So there's a little bit of a red flag there. Kev, if we did this for every pitcher know, we're going to talk saying. about <laughs> this offseason, no one, the Rockies aren't going to sign anybody. No, it was fantastic because I would watch Nick Martinez and I'd be like, oh, look at him. He's doing well. He's at Petco, Rocco, and then he comes to, to Coors. And I'm like, oh. 
Yeah. Don't just don't. I don't even. I look. I still yeah, have to look. I, I know. Just I look to see if they're fun. good. If it's like four and a half or below, I'm like, this guy's a dude. Anything higher than that, I'm just. I'm not even counting it. I'm not even counting it. All right. Second guy we'll talk about today. Another dude with those NL West ties, Padres ties. Left-handed pitcher Sean Manaya would uh, would give the Rockies three guys from the left side. Gomber, Freeland, and Manaya. A little younger, 32 years old, 4'10", career ERA, knows this division really well. The con with him, I think it will take you know, an, an, at least an extra year than what Nick Martinez will end up getting. Three, maybe four-year deal. Definitely he's going to get $10 million or more. And again, now that you're going up to that fourth year and having to add on a, a year or two, I mean, we could be talking four years, $60 million dollars. That's kind of sizable when you're already paying Freeland what you are and, right. and, and Marquez uh, what he's going to get when he's back and healthy in 2025. And so now you're locking up a lot of money in the starting rotation. Again, a guy who only made 10 starts last year. And I think that's the key thing. You look at his innings last year, only 117.2, mostly a, a bullpen guy, but also had some ineffectiveness when he was a starter. And that's one of the reasons why he got pushed back. So I feel like that with Manaya at least, that there's a lot of guys that the Rockies already have who are Manaya types, mm. that maybe they are better in the bullpen or, or Bud might feel more comfortable with them coming out of the bullpen than starting. So I don't know how much of a fit he is, even with the San Francisco and San Diego ties and the familiarity with the NL West. Yeah, it, it's going to take a player that the Rockies see something more in, kind of like with Austin Gomber. You got him, you knew he was a fly ball pitcher, and people said, like, this is totally not a fit. Why did you think this was going to be a guy who'd be a, be successful with your organization? And, yes, there have been, you know, a couple clunker starts, I think, that have really overinflated Gomber stats. He's had some stretches of, of virtual brilliance. And so yeah. I think it could be a guy of, like, you know what? We see this thing in Manaya that, you know, despite the fact that in the last two years combined, he's been uh, a half a war, a negative half a win you know, uh, above a replacement player. In that case, he would actually be below. Can we have WBR, right? How many wins below a replacement player? You know, that would be a good stat, actually. Weber? The Weber. Weber We need Kenneth to get on this. (laughs) Kenneth, there's a stat with your name on it, bro. Come on. Get on this. Yeah, Sean and I, you know, could be interesting. Uh, I would like to hear some of his stories about going last offseason with Joe Musgrove to Antarctica. Yeah. Now that, that would be, be cool. cool. Let's be honest. I've talked to him about that. You have? No, I would like oh, you to would. talk to him about that. Absolutely. You know, we, we still can because <laughs> most teams do end up coming through you know, uh, Colorado now, yeah, which is nice. With, we know Musgrove will still be with the Padres, so we'll at least catch up with him next year for sure. And because I know how much, you know, you, you're able to keep an eye on, you know, the Padres and, you know, everyone here, I, I think, has an extra eye on on the NL West, naturally speaking, of course, since it's, it's in the division. Do have to ask, you know, what's your take on on Juan Soto? Uh, obviously, putting aside uh, the unfortunate passing of Peter Seidler today, um, do, do you think it's it's likely that he gets traded here and is is his final year uh, before he becomes a free agent? Is it weird to say that that was one of the first thoughts I had when I heard that news? Honestly, because that like it's a done deal now. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, because I think that uh, the the Padres will move Soto. I think now that now that uh, their chairman and CEO has passed. Uh, I think that it really is going to signal a new era in San Diego for a lot of things. And so I think that, you know, you look at how much that they gave up for Juan Soto and Josh Bell came over in that same deal. You know, let's not overlook that, but still how much they gave for him. All the prospects are now doing well with the Washington Nationals. Mm -hmm. They're not going to get that kind of return for Soto now. 
And so it really is just about what is the best deal that the Yankees can give you or the Cubs can get you, you know, all these teams. And if they can get a Clark Schmidt or mm. a Hayden Wesniewski from the Cubs, one of those guys who can fit into their rotation, I think that they'll probably say, all right, let's do it because the Padres need pitching just as much as the Rockies do. Yeah, it's it's true. They're, the Padres are really going to have to be creative. Speaking of Kenneth, we talked with him last week. Because of how bad they were last year, it almost feels like if even if they get rid of a lot of players, they might even be better, you know? And again, a lot of that's going to depend on who their manager might be. I think Phil Nevin interviewed for the the job, right? I think maybe Benji Gill's been in yes. on that. Mike Schilt yeah. uh, has been some of the names kicked yeah, around. Yeah, Ryan Flaherty. Uh, you know, so they've yeah. got a couple of internal guys. Uh, there was a lot of buzz around Benji, Benji Gill. Uh, mm. There was very recently, but I believe uh, Kevin Acey from the San Diego Union Tribune uh, reported this morning that uh, he is out of the running. So mm. uh, we'll have to see how that goes. And again, this will probably push everything back, I have a feeling. And and I think as long as the Padres have somebody in place before we see them in Nashville, I think you know, they'll be fine. This could throw a wrench in the entire postseason because everyone's obviously going to be waiting for Shohei Otani to move. And then, okay, you lost out on Otani. Now all of a sudden you've got an extra $45 million to spend in free agency. Right. You can grab two players. You can grab three more middle tier players. And then with Juan Soto, if, if the Padres aren't really, you know, able to do anything in, in the wake of, of Peter Seidler's unfortunate passing, then that could also kind of stall the, uh, the trade market and the free agent market as well. Oh, absolutely. And the biggest thing with the Padres and trading Juan Soto is if you trade him, Where's the offense going to come from? You look at what he meant to that lineup last year. It's not like you can just send him out and say, oh, the Jackson Merrills are going to, you know, their their top rookies are going to come in and replace. It's not that easy with a, with a roster that has so many locked-in big contracts. Yeah. No, it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see how it, how it goes down. Again, thoughts and prayers, obviously, with the, the Peter Seidler's family, the entire Padres community, uh, as they uh, as they go into this offseason with even more uncertainty. Uh, than they've uh, than they've already had to deal with. But uh, what's always certain is, Kevin, I can rely on you to talk baseball, have a good time doing it. Always good, brother. Bring your perspective. Uh, go ahead and plug away. Let folks know uh, where they can get all your stuff over at Fansided. What are some of the things you're working on? Yeah, make sure you check me out, fansided.com. I will be, uh, after Thursday night's ballot release for the NL um, MVP, I will be telling you why I voted for uh, who I did in some of those places. I have no doubt that there will be some uh, fireballs thrown at me on social media, but I'll be ready. That's Maybe fine. this is where Nolan Jones get, gets made up for him. Maybe we say, I, I, get, don't, don't say anything, <laughs> but that's why we're going to have to tune in Blink to twice. the awards. And again, I look, I like after the winners are announced, that's great. Like I am obsessed with what happens after that and the different ballots. And now that I'm on the chopping block as one of those voters, <laughs> Uh, I still love it. I still come at me. Bring it. Bring it. I love it. At DNVR underscore Rockies at Patrick D. Lyons is where I can be found. All kinds of written content over at the DNVR.com as well. For super producer tip, Tiff at Tiff underscore, no, Tiffany underscore Tano. Uh, we appreciate you joining us. Appreciate the momentum Kevin has given us. I'll be here every Tuesday and Thursday. The two T's for Patty Stats. Patty two T's, stats two T's. That's how you can remember it. That's how we're doing it this offseason. Thanks for the momentum. But hey, it's only as good as your next show. Good thing Susie will be back tomorrow right here on the DNVR Sports Channel live on YouTube.